Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature New York City-born multidisciplinary artist Sylvia Mayer. Drawing since the age of seven, her work is very much influenced by her experiences of growing up biracial on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Known for her portraiture, much of her work focuses on depicting residents of the Flatbush area of Brooklyn, where she lived for three decades. Her art bridges the gap between cultures as expressed in her still life and multi-figural life-size paintings. She graduated with a bachelor's in fine arts from the School of Visual Arts in New York City and also attended the National Academy of Design and the New York Academy of Art. Sylvia also studied extensively at the Art Student League under the tutelage of Ron Shear and as a protege of the influential figurative painter Harvey Dinnerstein. She is a recipient of the Green Shield Award. Previous exhibitions include solo presentations at the Parish Art Museum in Southampton, New York, Bernarducci Gallery in New York, Forum Gallery in Frankfurt, Germany, and Fairline Dickinson University in New Jersey, to name a few. Welcome and enjoy this episode featuring Sylvia Mayer. Sylvia, welcome to my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to feature you. When did you discover your artistic passion? It's interesting. The word passion for me signifies a lot of um, external energy. And I always uh, felt that the word passion is not quite what I've ever felt. I just feel like it's it just is. And I just listen and I just follow. And... I had a, a feeling of stillness as a child, and that stillness is where I think all this creativity comes from, and always a feeling that I wanted to return to it, uh, which was something that was very much ingrained in me, and a, um, a quietness and an essence so I've never really felt overcome with an emotion or a, like a, you know, the way they express artists through movies are somehow where we're just so emotional and out of control and, and flailing about. And I find that it's always been quite the opposite for me. It's always been um, as a child retreating into myself, kind of closing off all my other senses to be with myself and that comfortableness with being inside of myself is um, 
always where I, I feel best at. And I think that's, that's what I think art is, is that, that really, um, that essence of a person. Have you ever thought about what career choice you would have made if you weren't an artist? I, I think I would have joined a monastery. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have, yeah. Or uh, something to do with um, music or the arts or writing or public service, something with activism. I think that those are, I, I could have seen myself as going down the road of maybe being a lawyer to being a monk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I think that injustice has always really um, bothered me and I've always felt compelled to do something and that I remember even as a kid when I was in elementary school seeing uh, another child that was disabled and was being uh, verbally abused by a teacher and going to the principal and saying this is horrible situation, how they're screaming at this child. And then I was got, I got sent home and I was in trouble for that. And I, I think that that really uh, had a big impact on speaking up for people that I felt were suffering, you know, and the uh, insensitivity to other people's suffering and feeling that that was really a, a calling. How would you define your practice? So the process of, of painting is, is usually uh, an image. It starts with an image or I'll see something in a situation and feel very compelled by it. It might provoke a very strong uh, reaction in me, a very strong emotional reaction. And that's really where I, I want everything to come from. So if I have a strong aesthetic feeling or a visual uh, interest in something through the way that it is uh, kind of composed naturally, I will, I will be attracted to that or a feeling that I get. Mostly it's, it's a feeling. If I see a scene and I'm outside, I will feel an impulse to want to put it down. And usually I will remember it or sketch it down and go to the studio and recreate it with, with photographs. I'll have my husband take the photographs and I will recreate a scene so that I can kind of compose it myself or I'll, I'll take what I saw and try to recreate it uh, with models. So it's very uh, interdisciplinarian where I will find the right models that I think will suit the scene or I will ask the models, ask people that were actually in the scene that I witnessed to come to my studio and pose for me. Well, when I was in Brooklyn, I would just meet people in my neighborhood or my neighbors would say, oh my goodness, this person is like somebody I know you'd, you'd want to paint, but I'll ask people to come to the studio. And if that's not possible, being a woman, sometimes it's a little scary. You can't just ask everybody over to your place, unfortunately, because misinterpret when you say somebody's beautiful as like a come on, you know? <laughs> so I will have friends that are in the arts, like actor friends, my friend Kelly, who was on The Wire, she's, she's posed for me many times and she, she recreated the scene for me. I wanted to do um, the scene that I saw. And so I had a few models come in and then I set it up and 
Andre will take the photo and, and then I'll play around and I'll, I'll try to see which is the strongest composition. I'll sketch it out. I'll do it like a few thumbnails. And then I will ask the models to come back and pose from life so that I can have a color study or, or actual painting of them so that it stays fresh. And uh, that's usually, you know, the way it works. Uh, like the bicycle thief, I, I saw that scene in Prospect Park when I was hanging out by the drummer's circle. And there was uh, a, a young guy on this uh, muscle bike. Remember the muscle bikes, you know? I guess California, LA, they have a lot of muscle bikes, but, um, you know, I, I had a lot of bikes stolen. So, <laughs> but anyway, this was a, a muscle bike and, I, and he was like on it and kind of fronting with it. And this little kid saw it and he was so kind of awe-stricken by the bicycle. And I just remember thinking, oh, you know, don't be so attracted to these smoking mirrors, you know? And as I was watching the scene, I saw this figure in the back and I took a picture. And then later when I got to the studio, I, I looked at the photo and I saw it had this kind of um, like angel-like feeling of a figure in the background. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting. You know, things that spark your imagination. And the image started to reveal itself to me where now I was seeing it a little differently. I was seeing it as a black mother who has a black son and how you hope that, you know, when your kids are out there in the world, that there's some kind of angel looking out for them, you know, like there's some kind of guardian somehow. And, and it just kind of revealed itself like that to me. Uh, I suppose that was just from my, my own uh, subconscious and the times that we're living in. So I took a minute to, to actually put it down like that because I didn't want to get too, like, you know, outrageous with it, right? Like the scene alone was interesting, but that's how I felt. And I said, you know, fuck it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it down like that because God, <laughs> God presented it to me like that. And that feels to be like the thing that my, my heart is responding to. So that's, that is, is how that happened. So I feel that it's a like a call and response re relationship. Interesting. Do you listen to music while you're working? You know, I, I love music. I, I really, oh, Phyllis, I love great music and I love the emotion that is conveyed through great music. I love the grit, you know, that feeling where you're just like, oh my God, when you hear an amazing vocalist and they and they just hit a note or they're just really raw and chesty and just like, <laughs> oh, my God, you know, or it just like slaps you down or you're like, holy shit. Right. <laughs> or, or, you know, like a Jimi Hendrix riff. <laughs> yes. just like, what is that? Do you know? And I that's the feeling I want to have with my work. I want to have that feeling of that just like, oh, I got something for you. You know, <laughs> like. Oh, I just want to, you, you just, it's, it, it's so deep and it's so cellular and your whole body is, is vibrating to it. And you're, and you, and you know that you're, you're in um, the proximity of something that's great. Right. Like uh, I also like to listen to classical music because that sometimes I, I don't want to get so emotionally involved with the music as I often do. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I, I, Sometimes I need something that is just going to kind of sustain my energy 
throughout the process. I also am the queen of repeat. You know, back in the day where you could hit repeat, that, that's like my favorite thing to do, but now you can have music on a loop. So I remember for, for the beheading, I was listening to Public Enemy, like nonstop. And that was really put me in the zone for, for that particular um, painting and uh, a series of the um, Activist Row. So music is very, very important to me uh, when I work. But now I often listen to Dharma Talks by Thich Nhat Hanh because I find that it gives me those moments to, to just listen. And, and that's very, very powerful as well. What does your workspace look and feel like? Well, my old workspace uh, was in our Brooklyn Brownstone on the top floor. And right now I'm in a um, split level. So I have moved around trying to find the right space. And it's been really challenging to, to change workspaces after having muscle memory of a certain space for so many years. You know, I've been in the garage and now I've moved downstairs and then upstairs. Right now I'm on the top floor. I have wall-to-wall uh, windows and greenery all around me. So I really feel like I'm kind of in the woods in a treehouse setting. And I've come upstairs, so it's it's quite lovely. It's all green, and uh, yeah, I I think it you know it works. I I really miss I miss um, the urban connection, but I do I I find that the nature is pretty pretty nourishing too. Do you feel black art can be defined? Can it be defined? Well, I think all art is black art because I think European art is black art. I think every art is black art because everything traces back to Africa. And I think when I think of black art, I think black art is the mothership. Uh, there's no way that it can even exist without black. Black is the mothership. You know, if you, if you look at so many artists, they're reinterpreting African art from Picasso, Basquiat copied. Picasso, Picasso copied African art. The Romans copied the Greeks. The Greeks copied the Africans. So everything is, is Africa. Everything is black. And there is no white art. I mean, there is this white aesthetic. There is this white washing of blackness. But if you really go deep, you see that it comes from Africa. And that is... is um, the great unifier, you know? How do you keep learning? Well, I, I make an effort to learn by taking a class. You know, I, I took a, um, an ecoche class at, uh, like before the pandemic hit at, at the league. It was, um, you know, ecoche is the study of um, the bones and the muscles in sculpture, so you build the body up from the skeleton up through sculpture. And, and that was very challenging for me. I obviously taken anatomy before, but sculpture was something that I always loved. And I felt like a very natural affinity to sculpture. 
but I had asthma as a kid. So when I would go down to the, the sculpture room where I, I think they're the, the real workhorses of the <laughs> art. I mean, we, we're all candy asses up there, you know, the painters, because we don't get dirty. We don't, we don't work like the sculptors do. They're, they're amazing. And uh, I, I wanted so badly to be with, you know, the sculpture in the sculpture unit, but um, it, it just, it's like the belly of the beast, you know, uh, and, and now they improved a lot of the, um, the, the air filtration at the Art Students League. So I said, I'm gonna go and, and take this class. And it was, it, was, it was amazing. And I really enjoy, you know, they call it the beginner's mind. I enjoy learning and I, I, I just have such a, a respect, a reverence for all the art that's come before us and the level of excellence and understanding of the body. And I just really want to understand what I'm painting. I want to understand the figure. I want to understand the movements. And taking that class was amazing, not just for the technical information or, or the clumsiness of my, my uh, situation, but for the enthusiasm of the teacher and the group of people learning, I, I think that enthusiasm is what I really, uh, I stole from <laughs> that situation. So those are the, the things that I love to do and the obsession with art, regardless of the art world and the art scene that I found out later that people would actually donate their bodies to the sculpture center so that they could, to, to the sculpture department at the league and looking at these bones and thinking that was a former student. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it's just fascinating to me. It's, it's just such a, um, a continuum. And uh, that's really what I love. That really turns me on. What are you excited about right now? Well, I'm very excited about the, the new body of work I'm doing. This actual painting I'm, I'm working on is... Um, it's, it's kind of like, at, at first I did this painting entitled The Reader. And when I first did The Reader, I painted it with two figures. And my uh, impetus for that was my, my feeling of really wanting to show women as the source of intelligence, creation, wisdom. And Initially, I painted it with two figures. And then as I was developing the piece, I thought it was stronger with just one figure. And he was like looking at the book. And I was very interested in this idea of knowledge and information and accessibility to information and those who are denied accessibility to information. And I thought about the green book and I thought about how the history of slavery has kept information from us. And this um, interpretation of our people on social media did not reflect people that I know. And I, I wanted to show how important it was to get information. And so, especially as a young Black man, I really wanted him to be the, the, the one seeking knowledge and the... And, and the woman as the source of the intellectual um, advancement. But anyway, the painting continued and it seems stronger with just one person. So I just did the one figure because the paintings tell you what they want, you know? 
And this painting said, no, I want to be alone. I just want to have one figure here looking at the book. And so now I, but I've always wanted to pursue the two figures because I really want the woman in this to be generating all of the, um, the wisdom and the intelligence and offering you different um, texts and information. And now it has two figures. I'm working on, on the, um, this other version of the painting because sometimes you need to exhaust an idea, you know? Sometimes the muses want you to, <laughs> to keep going. And so you just keep going until you, you hit a wall. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's a, a, a very uh, frustrating, uh, futile uh, endeavor. Uh, sometimes it's joyful. And, you know, uh, right now, I'm, I'm just really um, thrilled to be, to be continuing the flow of that. So I feel it's, 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 it's very interesting because right now in, in the times we're living, there's so much access to information and so much disinformation and knowing what what to look at and what and what to decipher through is 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 such a feat. So I wanted to express that idea of get the information, learn the facts, and I wanted it to be a woman giving that to you. So this work, I have the woman as the foreground figure, and the other figure is um, looking onto her for guidance. And it's also, you know, the, the work is evolving. There's always a little element of um, these paintings that you've seen through the years that affect how you view the world. Like, um, you know, Rembrandt has a few paintings of the angels visiting Joseph and also this notion that somehow you can, if you're quiet enough, you can hear messages. You know, this is kind of like the message from beyond. So I'm kind of fascinated with that. But again, these aren't things that I kind of go into necessarily with the painting, but I think that I'm very much influenced by, um, these paintings that I've seen through the years and this, um, this thread of that, because I'm also very conscious of what I take in, you know, what paintings I look at, what artists I look at, the books I look at. I really try to, to look at work that really moves me aside from what's popular, what's new, what's hot, what's in right now that really, um, I, I do try to shelter uh, what I take in, you know, they say you are like the accumulation of the few people that you know in life, right? Your friends. And so I, I kind of look to these artists as, as my friends, as, as people I want to have a dialogue with. So I think that that imagery is, is, um, is formed in my mind as well. And this painting is, is, um, it's really, really interesting for me because I am kind of just following this continuum of the other piece you know i i really don't know where it's gonna go uh but i'm just i'm just open and letting it kind of lead me yeah so you know 
again, with, with the politics and the state of the world and, and, and women not really, um, well, I mean, we're in a shitty time we're living in right now. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's quite the mess. So I think it, this painting is also helping me to, to kind of uh, process what's going on. <laughs> On that note, I have to ask you, and this has been a great interview. This is actually the last question. So, so what do you feel is the purpose of art and what is your role? I think that the purpose of art is about human suffering and our ability to, um, is to remain hopeful and this shared experience of our, our forefathers and that they were here and they existed and that these are these the human condition that has been throughout the ages and you know when when i was uh just starting out painting i remember i had this dream that i was at a beach and i was watching the waves crash on me and there and what rolled up to me was a painting of rembrandt on one side and the other side was a map and, you know, clearly now I understand what it meant, like in order to be, to aspire to, to this kind of uh, great art, there is a kind of map, you know, a road that you take, right? And uh, when you look at art through history, I, I find it very interesting that nothing is new, you know, everything has had, has been done. And there's this this wonderful conversation of the same suffering that people have had that we still have and how we and how we handle it and how comfortable we are with with um, being vulnerable uh, i think that that's really what the art is for me is the the great art that i that i you know adore is usually about the how these artists were able to share their vulnerability and that I find staggering. I remember seeing uh, the, um, the Rembrandt's uh, self-portrait at the Frick and having that feeling. And then the Pieta, Michelangelo's Pieta, where Mary is holding Jesus and thinking, okay, there is something else here. Do you know <laughs> that this is definitely other, other there is something other here uh, when that just that, that tapping into this other realm. So I think that that's what art really allows us to, to be okay with being vulnerable and, and to, to see the power in that vulnerability. Gives me a lot to think about. I really appreciate uh, you opening your mind to us. Thank you so much for this interview, Sylvia. It's been a pleasure. I thank you so much for reaching out and taking the time to, to chat with me. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.